I am George Anderson. I am Elizabeth Link. I am Ben Brannan. We are going on a journey through the Gospel of Mark with a sermon series titled, Reimagined. Together, we'll explore why the Gospel is in such a hurry for readers to get to know and keep up with Jesus. Today's sermon is a stop along the way of that journey. Join us as we reflect on what was, rethink what is, and reimagine what will be. Would you pray with me? Grant that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So for our scripture reading today, we jump ahead a bit in Mark. So in the sermon series, we have reimagined baptism and call from chapter 1. We reimagined house as we looked at the dinner at Levi's house in chapter 2. And today we jump to chapter 6. And if you're following along in our Mark reading guide, you're anxiously awaiting for this week because we get to chapter 5 and 6. Listen now to a miracle of a meal in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. And listen for God's word to us today. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for them to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, How are we, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before all the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who takes a lunch break? 
Who in here actually stops working and, I mean, shuts the computer down, turns off the phone, leaves your workspace, and actually takes a lunch break? Saw a few hands. In recent years, lunch breaks have been diminished to quick bites and mindless eating. And oftentimes, lunch breaks are not even taken. North Americans are famously overworked. A study by the U.S. Travel Association found that in 2018, Americans took an average of 17.4 vacation days. You may be thinking, hmm, 17. But in leaving 768 million vacation days unused sitting on the table, an increase, actually, of 9% from the previous year in 2017. And that's even if the workers are lucky enough to have vacation days at all. The U.S. Is the, has the distinct honor, or should I say dishonor, as being the only country in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, a global organization, that doesn't guarantee a single day of federally mandated paid time off. And this overworking mentality bleeds into the workday itself. 62% of Americans say they eat lunch at their desk. And I assume it's not unplugged and disconnected. This working and overworking has been compounded in the past year with more Americans working from home. And research shows we're spending an extra 48 and a half minutes more at work each day, attending more meetings and navigating more emails for more of our day. Where does work stop and home begin? However, this isn't to say that lunch at work or even at your desk is entirely terrible or a bad thing. You know, lunch spent video chatting with um, a friend or reading your favorite book or reading your favorite online article, watching videos that bring you joy, or even re-watching your favorite sermons. <laughs> These are all great things. And they're great because you have made a choice in how to spend your lunch break. Because the issue lies in the fact that we as a culture have idolized work and have condemned idleness. Going for a midday walk, taking time for yourself, not attending the optional lunch event for the fifth day in a row, Eating outside by yourself, all of these have been branded as selfish and lazy. And one of the main culprits of setting this lunch break uneasiness in the corporate culture is actually managers and team leaders. Perhaps we should consider how the rhythm of work and rest Jesus demonstrates throughout his earthly ministry calls us to reconsider and cause us to reimagine the rhythm of our days. Thus far in our reading in Mark, we have seen Jesus find solitude and rest and isolation. And we see this rhythm and theme throughout all four Gospels. Jesus works, heals, preaches, and teaches, and then finds time in between 
to disengage, to step away, to pray. Our reading for today begins with the disciples returning from being hard at work since they were appointed in chapter 3 and sent earlier in this chapter. The disciples were sent out taking with them nothing but a staff, proclaiming that all should repent, casting out demons, anointing the sick with oil, curing them a lot of work. And then some time passed. We're not told exactly how long, but now they are reunited with Jesus. And instead of getting back to work, now as a reformed group, Jesus calls them away. The disciples have worked hard. Now they are called to rest. And they've worked so hard they barely have had time to eat. They have not been taking their lunch breaks. And Jesus sees this. And like a good manager or team leader, he knows they need rest. So they head for a deserted place, presumably on the other side of the lake, to find rest. To take time to recharge their bodies and souls and reconnect with one another after their apostolic mission. Their first apostolic mission. They make their way to the other side, but the crowds who were following Jesus and his team have beat them there. And we all know disruptions happen. We all know interruptions are part of everyday life. When Jesus and his disciples reached the shore of the other side of the lake, the restful plans Jesus had were disrupted. And interruptions happen quite a bit in Jesus' ministry. But instead of becoming angry and frustrated, Jesus was overcome with compassion. The word here is a deep churning of the intestines. The root actually refers to the inward parts of the body, the guts. And it became to figuratively refer to deep emotions felt. Jesus was moved in the inward parts of the body, a physical and emotional response in seeing the crowd. Like hunger. Or like butterflies coupled with a deep sense of love. And it was a deep sense of love for those interrupting him. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And this compassion is more than, more than pity, as some translations have it. Compassion is a sense of shared suffering. Jesus understood. Jesus felt and Jesus took on their feelings of this shepherdless wandering. So he responded to this intestinal churning of compassion, and he cared for them, teaching them many things. And then as night came, the crowd felt an intestinal churning, not of compassion, but of hunger. And the disciples saw the physical need of the crowd and wanted to send them away to find food. But, but Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. With only five loaves and two fish, the, the disciples were perplexed. How will this feed all of them? And Jesus ordered 
the crowd to recline on the green pasture. He took the five loaves, gave thanks to God, broke it and handed it back to the disciples. You give them something to eat. The disciples then fed the crowd. The disciples were the ones who took the food to the people. Jesus only began the process. It was the disciples who saw it through. And all ate, and all were filled. What I see in the example of Jesus and his disciples is a call to take back our lunch breaks. What I hear in this is a reminder to be present, actually present in the moments of meals. There will be days when our work is overwhelming. Disruptions and interruptions will happen as it did for the disciples and for Jesus. But in the moments of a meal, recline in the green pastures of idleness. The green pastures of our Lord who taught us earlier that Sabbath was created for man, not man for Sabbath. Recline. Find good company to sit with, to reconnect with. And after giving thanks for the food, share the meal. Growing up, our schedule, our family schedule was busy with Club soccer, school soccer, church meetings, board meetings, school council, and so on, youth group. There were days where we were eating on the run. You have 15 minutes, come on, keep eating. But what I remember most as a child is waiting for the whole family to gather around a shared meal. A shared meal at our dinner table. The television was turned off, our phones were put away, We didn't really have cell phones back then, so we made a pact that we wouldn't answer that thing hanging on the wall. (laughs) And we would sing, we would sing our blessing together. You may know it. Oh, the Lord's been good to me. And so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and rain and the apple seed. The Lord's been good to me. That's good. And after giving thanks, we would dine as a family. Being present with others at the table is a moment of compassion in and of itself. A moment to really share experiences and understand one another on a deeper level. It is a setting for conversation, for sharing the wonder of daily miracles, for telling stories of God's faithfulness a feeling of warmth and belonging. And maybe meals are not only times to eat, but are times to be fed, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So if in our work days, in your school days, in your nights at home, you have the urge to eat and run or eat disconnected or eat mindlessly in front of the TV, Perhaps remember Jesus' example and commands in this passage. Step away from the busyness of work and life. Find a moment of solitude with others to recharge and reconnect. Recline together. Sit down together. 
Make the meal a shared experience because you don't have to do it all by yourself. Give thanks for all that is before you, the people and the food. Enjoy simplicity. Be fed, but waste nothing. Experience the miracle of community, the miracle of God's goodness and the love of Christ that multiplies. The feeding of the 5,000 is not the only miracle in this story. There's a miracle of awareness, an awakening that occurs because of the meal. The way I see it through the meal, the crowd is brought closer to the divine compassion that we are to emulate. Through the meal, the crowd is drawn into the reality and knowledge of a Savior that is present in our suffering and extends all that He has for them to be nourished and satisfied. Through the meal, we glimpse the grace that is never earned but freely given. It is the miracle of a meal that we join each other in the moment of shared circumstance. Perhaps our meals might go beyond the physical activity of eating or of feeding. It is the miracle of a meal that gathers us together. And by reimagining meals as an experience of the divine in community, our meals might look more like this great banquet. A meal where all are welcome, just as they are, just as you are. A meal to remember and do. A meal of thanksgiving. A meal to give. And a meal to be fed. A meal where our Savior is present, seated beside you, forever extending compassion and love. May it be so. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.